0: This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London, together living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message.
1: Some say this is war. Science versus religion, reason versus insane belief. Some claim that there's a war between science and Christianity, and science is obviously winning. The atheistic scientists claim that Reason is on their side, and Christianity is based on the false imaginings of the human mind. Have Christians thrown their intellect and reason out the door to believe? Is this true? The prominent atheists go further to say that faith in God is worse than irrational, it is evil. They accuse God of being evil, therefore He does not exist. In last week's message I asked why are atheists so angry? well they showed up on this youtube channel over the last week and we've been having engaging and enriching discussions on the evidence for or against god they say we're not angry at a god that doesn't exist we're angry at christians like you for promoting your stupid ideas at least it is confirmed that some atheists are angry (laughs) if not angry with god who they deem to be evil then they are angry at Christians for not being willing to shut up and keep their silly and dangerous beliefs to themselves. I understand. This is a difficult and confusing debate to the average person. What do you make of these statements? Christianity is ridiculed and mocked. And that would certainly shift people over to unbelief. If the choice was between reason based on undeniable fact or lies built on imagined fairy tales, then I stand with the rest and I choose reason. Who wants to believe a lie? Who wants to believe something or build your life on something that is false and fake? I studied engineering, and my wife Sonika is a chartered accountant, and we both left our careers to pastor a church. We are definitely not in this for the money. But some atheists are persuaded that religion is all about the money. Follow the money. The truth is that that statement is the exception. Definitely not the rule. We and many other sincere pastors are giving our lives for what we believe is true. I definitely wouldn't give my life for a lie. So if atheists are incorrect in claiming religion is all about the money, could they be wrong about other aspects of this unbelieving narrative. I was planning to make this message simply a list of evidences for God but then as I engage with atheists I realized that it doesn't matter how many evidences you provide there is an underlying resistance to any argument or any evidence. I asked the one atheist on social media so what type of evidence would be sufficient to you to prove something supernatural happened? His response, I really have no idea. I've never thought about that. You see, they expect evidence to be shown, but it's never sufficient because no evidence would be sufficient to the closed-minded atheist. I realize you can't argue someone into faith. So I decided to address the underlying assumptions to atheism, which most people are not even aware of. These assumptions, which are not based on science, have made many closed off to the idea of God. It's like building a wall in the mind, and any evidence for God found on the other side of the wall is rejected out of hand. A bunch of men, very smart men, who experienced the bad side of life and religion, decided that in the light of all these bad things, there is no God. And then they built philosophical arguments, they built these you know, ideological walls to exclude the idea of God and deny all evidence for God. As I shared in my previous message, why are atheists so angry? Many of the most prominent and influential atheists over the last few centuries had huge disappointments, either their father dying while they were young or had abusive fathers or disappointing fathers. These men, for a variety of reasons, decided that God is dead. And they began to build a case or rather a fortress of unbelief. This fortress of unbelief is not based on science, but rather based on a variety of underlying assumptions, ideas to keep God out. These arguments have had a powerful impact on people. A group of prominent atheists, many of them evolutionary biologists, has launched a powerful public attack on religion in general and Christianity in particular. They have no interest in being nice. They are not merely happy in staying within their fortress of unbelief. They have gone on the offensive and want to get rid of religion. They have created a narrative which declares how evil religion is and how righteous they are for wanting to get rid of religion. A new set of anti-religious books, the God delusion, the end of faith, God is not great and so on, now shapes public debate. They want to make religion, and especially the Christian religion, disappear from the face of the earth. In that sense, there certainly is a war on religion from the atheist side. These atheists don't believe that religion and science can peacefully coexist. Due to the unrelenting assault on Christianity by supposedly cold, hard facts, Christians are bullied into silence. Science is about reason, and religion is about unprovable faith, they say. But is this so? Or is there more to this debate? I have good news to the Christian, and some bad news to the militant atheist. The good news is that Christianity has always been built on evidence, on truth, on eyewitness accounts, and reality. Christianity celebrates reason and truth, but it also invites us into the higher plane of faith. Christianity is often accused of being unreasonable. So in this message, I will focus on applying reason to address the issues. Even though atheists have built an almost impenetrable fortress of unbelief, Only a small percentage of society are actually atheists. Now that's probably the bad news for the atheists. Most believe that there is a God and Christianity is the fastest growing religion in the world. Nietzsche proclaimed God to be dead, but the fact is Nietzsche is dead and Christianity is flourishing in most parts of the world. It seems that God is very much alive today. There are mass conversions to Christianity in Muslim nations like Iran communist nations like China. Some believe there's more than 100 million Christians in communist China. There are great awakenings happening in South America, Africa, and other parts of Asia. Who would have thought? Surely science would have eradicated this primitive belief in a God? What if there isn't a war between science and religion, but rather a war between atheistic philosophy and the Christian worldview? Two worldviews that are clashing the atheistic momentum in some sectors of society as among the intellectual elite has been due to an anti-religion anti-god narrative which has created a strong dislike to the idea of god and religion in some people's minds for some it has grown from dislike into a blind hatred which means simply to strongly dislike something without knowing the facts or by using false information. I will show you that this is the case. A strong dislike without knowing the fact or strengthening the atheistic case using false information. We should not be surprised at the blind hatred because Jesus said that this is how it would be. He said in John 15, if the world hates you, Christians, you know that it hated me before it hated you. In other words, because people strongly dislike the idea of God for a variety of reasons, they also develop a strong dislike of Christians. This is exactly what I experienced this week in the comments section on YouTube and Facebook. As they said, we're not angry at your non-existent God. We're angry at you for spreading your stupid ideas. And then Jesus goes on to St. John fifteen twenty-five, they hated me without a cause. Atheists think they have reason to despise the idea of God and they give many reasons for this. But I want to look at those reasons today to show you that it is hatred without a cause. The facts don't support their argument. Hatred influences our perspective. Blind hatred will keep you from seeing what you really need to see. There is so much hatred in the world today. And the result is that we don't listen to what the other party is saying. We're merely building our own case and our egos are very much involved. You can't debate someone into faith in God or almost anything else that provokes a strong emotional response. It takes a humble and open-minded engagement around truth, around the facts that leads us to change our minds about something. I had wonderful engagement with atheists this week. Some were quite aggressive, but I approach each one with respect and choose to believe that they are sincere in their argument. So let's give one another the benefit of the doubt. Let's get blind hatred out of the way and let's reason together. Let's engage around the truth around the facts and see where it leads us. Let's break down the false walls or ideas that is keeping people from engaging with one another in a respectful way. Today, I will give you three arguments that atheists use to build their fortress of unbelief, and I will evaluate each one in the light of the facts. You might be surprised at where the facts might lead us. Fortress of Unbelief argument number one. The atheist says, history proves our case. Religion is dangerous to science and scientists. The fact is some atheists have falsely rewritten history to fit their unbelieving case. The argument goes as follows. There's a fight between science and religion, and if we allow religion in, then everyone will become stupid and they'll burn our scientists at the stake and we'll all believe the earth is flat again. We can't have this. So resist, guys. Stand against this rubbish. This thrilling drama of science versus religion suffers from only one limitation. It's not true. Historian David Lindbergh writes, there was no warfare between science and the church. Indeed, historians are virtually unanimous in holding that the whole science versus religion story is a 19th century fabrication. It's not true. The source documents have now been discredited. But this false narrative continues to be proclaimed by leading atheist writers and is accepted by the general public without knowing the facts. Many people believe that the medieval church believed the earth was flat until modern science demonstrated to an infuriated clergy the roundness of the earth. In reality the ancient Greeks and the medieval Christians all knew that the earth was round. Now that is a mind-blowing fact. They observed that the hull of a ship sailing from shore disappears before the top of the mast. They also saw that during a lunar eclipse, the earth casts a circular shadow on the moon. The idea that the church or educated Christians believed in the flat earth theory is a fabrication of the 19th century warfare propagandists. But the false narrative has been so deeply ingrained in culture How about getting back to the actual facts? Science developed and flourished in Europe instead of other parts of the world because of the Christian belief that if God created the universe, then we will find order and design in it. The greatest names in science were devout Christians. This shows that reason is not excluded because you're a Christian, yet Reason has limitations. Reason can only take us so far to discover the big questions of life, like, why are we here? There are multiple books written on this topic, but an excellent one to look at is, what's so great about Christianity? There is no fight between Christianity and science. Modern science would not have developed if it wasn't for Christian beliefs of an ordered world. So what is the issue? Why does it seem that there is a fight? The clash isn't between science and Christianity, but rather between atheistic philosophy undergirding modern science, which makes it seem that Christianity and science are in conflict. Ideas are powerful, and false ideas, especially rewriting history to fit what you want it to say, builds a wall between someone and embracing faith in God. Let's put that aside. No scientists were burned at the stake by the church. There was a respectful relationship between the medieval church and scientists, and that is a fact. Fortress of unbelief argument number two. God and Christians are evil, but science based on facts are morally good. This is the moral superiority stance that many atheists are embracing. The truth is that this argument is a superficial and convenient evaluation of the facts while ignoring the other key facts. Christianity has always been the defender of what is good and moral. In the atheistic narrative, this has been turned on its head. But is it a fair interpretation of the facts? Atheists claim moral superiority. They paint God and Christians as evil. They say... Look at all the harm that religion has done over the ages. Look at all the evil perpetrated, the crusades, the inquisition, the witch burnings, and more. This shows that religion is evil and therefore God is evil. And if God is evil, then he doesn't exist. But science is a noble pursuit based on undeniable facts and experimentation. Now, it's a great argument. It invokes a strong emotional dislike towards Christianity I mean, who would want to embrace evil? If God is evil, then I will also run the other direction. The truth is that Christians who kill others are acting contrary to the moral code found in the Bible. We are not to kill others. Christians over the ages have been the defenders of orphans, widows, women, and the downtrodden. Christians spearheaded the anti-slavery movement like William Wilberforce. The Christians who killed others misrepresented Jesus, and therefore it doesn't prove anything about the evil of God or his true followers. It just reveals that over the ages there were people who called themselves Christians, but they weren't true followers of Christ. We see that even today. That's why each one of us need to make sure we are truly following Christ and not be a hypocrite. Fact. Atheism has caused vastly more destruction, pain, and killings than all religions combined. Under atheism, like communism and Nazism, more than 100 million people were murdered, and that was killing their own people, their own citizens, not even in wars with others. If we had to compare all religions with atheism, 100 million and more killed by atheistic people while less than 1% of that same number of people were killed by religious groups. How do we get to Christians are evil then and atheism morally good? It is a convenient ignoring of the facts to fit the chosen atheistic narrative. I encourage you to look at Jesus Christ. Whenever you begin to think Christianity is evil or bad due to some of its adherents, look again at how Jesus lived and what he said. He was good. He loved people. And he came to reveal what God is truly like. We see this in 1 John 1 5. It says, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there's no darkness in him at all. In other words, God is good and there is no evil found in him. Philosopher Richard Rorty argued that secular professors in the universities ought to arrange things so that students who enter as bigoted, homophobic, religious fundamentalists will leave college with views more like our own. Rorty noted that students are fortunate to find themselves under the benevolent authority of people like me and to have escaped the grip of their frightening, vicious, dangerous parents. Wow. Frightening, vicious, dangerous parents? Is he talking about Christians or angry bears? Has he actually met a true Christian in his life? In my world, Christians are sincere, good, and kind. Not perfect, but doing their best to follow the truth of Christ. On what planet is this man living? There's such hatred in this atheistic narrative, painting Christians in such unkind terms that it would provoke a strong negative emotional response from most people towards religion and Christians. I also wouldn't want anything to do with frightening, vicious and dangerous people. But that is simply not true. It's a false statement in most cases. These accusatory statements put blinders on people's perspective on life and God. Will you listen to someone that's inherently evil? No, you won't. There is a wall set up in your mind to despise and reject anything such a Christian would say. Could that cause someone to miss out on hearing the truth about the important matters of life? Don't let a strong dislike Because of this atheistic narrative or even your own negative experience with some so-called Christians keep you from being open to a higher truth about the meaning of life. Don't let that wall be built in your mind and thinking. When we treat one another with respect and decency and give the benefit of the doubt to the other, then we can hear one another and in the process learn from one another. We will all be better off for it. Fortress of unbelief argument number three, science is all we need, religion is unnecessary, actually it's dangerous. The truth is, those who believe this science is all we need do not understand the limitations of science. Reason is good, but to discover the full truth in terms of the meaning and purpose of life, we need revelation. Religious faith is not in opposition to reason. The purpose of faith is to discover truths that are of the highest importance to us yet are unavailable to us through purely naturalistic means. Wittgenstein famously said, even if all possible scientific questions are answered, the problems of life have still not been touched at all. Science cannot give us the answers to the meaning of life. It is extremely limited in what answers it can provide. It can't give us the bigger picture, the why am I here? What should I live for? What should I love? Science helps us to create the atomic bomb, but it doesn't tell us if it's right or wrong to kill hundreds of thousands of people. Science gives us tools, but doesn't tell us how to use it. It can be used either for good or bad. I could use the phone that science gave us to either break someone down and shout at them or to tell them I love and appreciate them. Science doesn't give me purpose or meaning or a moral compass. Science gives us tools, but not morality or meaning. Science gives us convenience, but not happy marriages. For all the advances that we have in life, It hasn't brought peace or joy. Meaning in life is found on a higher plane, and that comes from a higher power. Science gives the answer to why something is happening, like what happens when water boils, but is limited in the answers it can give us. It doesn't answer the bigger question of why is the water boiling, like the water is boiling because I am making myself some coffee science can only look at the why on one level the water is boiling but not on the higher level it doesn't tell us why are we here or what is the meaning or purpose of life science cannot answer these questions because it falls outside of its area of focus the point is that the game of science is conducted on a field and the most important questions of life lie outside that field. Faith is an attempt to reach beyond the empirical realm and illuminate those questions. Reason is celebrated by Christianity, but the big answers are provided beyond reason in the realm of faith, or what's called revelation. When we embrace both reason in the natural realm and faith that sees beyond, then we see the big picture in this sense, a Christian is more open-minded than an atheist. A Christian is willing to go wherever the evidence leads, but an atheist cannot allow any evidence for something supernatural. It's against his beliefs, not because science says so, but because his presuppositions demands it. And I can quote you many atheists that say this. It's like having blinkers on which inhibit the atheist from seeing a wider perspective on life. Reason can only take us so far. Revelation takes us further. As when doubting Thomas asked Jesus for the way that they should go in John chapter 14, Thomas said to him, that's Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you are going and how can we know the way? And then Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That." is revelation you can't come to this conclusion through reason only through revelation jesus reveals that the way to the father to father god is through having a relationship with jesus christ jesus claims to be the way to god the only way jesus also claims to be the truth and the source of true life there is no way that science can come to this conclusion through empirical evidence Science is wonderful, but limited. Reason can only take us so far. Revelation takes us further. The believer hopes that revelation will expose truths otherwise hidden to reason. The believer embraces faith not blindly, but rather with his eyes wide open and the blinkers off. Reason gives us a part of the answer and a part of reality. But if we want to see more, then we need revelation. This is where the person of Jesus Christ comes in. This is where we need to do inquiry about him. In my engagement with atheists, I've picked up that no evidence for God seems to be good enough. It's almost like they want God to physically show up and reveal himself because then they might believe. Prove your God. Well, the good news is that he did show up and reveal himself in a physical sense. God came in the form of his son, Jesus to reveal to us that God is good and He is love. And then Jesus gave His life for our sins on the cross. He proved God's love for mankind. Jesus did incredible miracles, revealing the power of God, but also revealed God's love for people. He was raised from the dead with more than 500 people seeing Him risen after His death. The ultimate evidence for God is found in the person of Jesus Christ. So Next week, we will look at this, why Jesus stands out from the crowd of religious figures. Here is a short testimony of an atheist academic, Paul Ernst, a skeptic in the existence of God and a bit of his journey to faith in God. If you're still looking for God, then this account will give you a clue on what a journey to God from atheism could look like.
0: Paul Ernst has always been a deep thinker, whether it was science or philosophy. He was the one constantly asking why and how. When Paul was a child, he gravitated towards science.
2: And I liked knowing how things worked. I wanted to drill down to the basis of something, whether it was like taking apart an alarm clock or later a motorcycle or a car engine.
0: Paul excelled in science, and his thirst for knowledge grew. Throughout high school and college, he studied humanism and materialism. He majored in chemistry, but philosophy was his main area of interest.
2: And so even though I might think about where the universe came from, where there's a God, is there life after death, um, I pushed those into unknowables. The picture I had of Christians is that since they weren't in the science, they were in another realm that was unknowable. And some of it actually looked kind of silly to me that, uh, you know, I just wasn't interested in that.
0: Throughout his 40s, Paul's worldview remained secular, totally anti-religious. Then something happened. The big 5-0, 50 years old. Paul's mortality, which was once irrelevant, now had new meaning.
2: I have a fear of dying. I don't want to go into oblivion or even, or worse yet, into some kind of judgment.
0: A friend of Paul, Tom Anderson, wrote a paper called An Attorney Gives a Defense of the Deity of Christ. Paul read it, and he took it to heart.
2: I know if this is true, this changes everything. This is huge. So I could immediately tell that this, this was something big that needed to be pursued. But the bigger part of the picture is this individual had a roadmap for connecting the dots to where I at first time saw the possibility of knowing whether it was true or not. And I thought, I'm not going to live forever. Maybe i better look into these things and settle them.
0: Then, another friend gave Paul a book called The Case for Christ.
2: The book interviews Christian scholars on various topics like the resurrection, the reliability of the text, as though this investigative reporter, Lee Strobel, is interviewing these different experts. And so I begin to mimic the process of what I see going on in the case for Christ. And it sort of put me into, you know, some turmoil. Is it true? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. And that went on for uh, about a year.
0: Paul weighed the evidence, pouring himself into philosophy, science, and religion. However, one book remained unread.
2: Up to this point, I'd been reading books about the Bible and other types of evidence for it but I hadn't actually read the Bible. I was sort of afraid to read it, that it would you know, take me away from what I was now hoping was true. But through my studies, I learned about this passage called Isaiah 53, and I read it, and it was a picture of the cross. And I said, there's got to be a transcendent being above who has control of this book and knows the beginning and the end because there's information in here that only a being outside of time could know about. I began to see that the Christian scholars really did have the upper hand in this game. They had the goods. And it became increasingly apparent that the atheist side was uh, a very weak argument. It was really based on the presupposition that the natural world was all there is. The tide really turned in favor of Christian truth. And at that point I really formed the idea I'm compelled to believe this.
0: Alone in his study while reading Isaiah 53, Paul asked Jesus Christ into his heart.
2: It was a feeling I would say of trust and of hope Um, because I was aware of a level of hopelessness in my life. So I would say that the the part of Christianity that struck me first and largest was hope.
0: Paul has been a Christian, a follower of Christ, since 2001. That was the same year he married Mary. When he talks about Isaiah 53 to others, he tears up because it's so powerful. The deep love of our Lord Jesus is beyond words for me. There's only victory. In Christ, and both of us, if we're speaking about our faith, we speak about Jesus.
2: So, if Jesus rose from the dead, why did he rise from the dead? And the best explanation out of all the possible ones, you know, both natural and from other religions, was that the God of the Bible raised Jesus from the dead.
0: Paul's book, You Bet Your Life, shows his investigative journey to Jesus Christ.
2: Jesus rescued me. He paid my ransom. He paid the price. So in a way, there's a debt I can never repay except to live for him.
1: So will we embrace hatred or a strong dislike, or will we embrace humility as Paul did? This is a beautiful, sincere account of Paul's journey to faith. Death is coming for for all of us. Are you fine with that? Are you ready for that? What if the answers to the higher questions of life is found in Jesus? A brilliant book to get is the book mentioned there, The Case for Christ. Some atheists are driven by hatred, a strong dislike of religion and the idea of God. It blinds them to the reality of God. Hatred dims the senses. Many atheists pride themselves on how smart they are. Unfortunately, pride also dims the senses. It makes us blind to the possibility of more. Jesus said that you can only come into the kingdom as a humble child. Humble people encounter God because God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. Luke 18 verse 17, Jesus says, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. We shouldn't put our trust in our reason, as if that can save us. Reason can take us only so far, but revelation takes us further. How about acknowledging that science can only give limited answers to the questions of life? There is no clash between reason and faith. How about opening yourself to seek God? Here's a prayer you can start off with to ask God to reveal himself to you. It's the prayer of the skeptic. It says, God, I don't know whether you even exist. I'm a skeptic. I doubt. I think you may be only a myth, but I'm not certain, at least when I'm completely honest with myself. So if you do exist, and if you really did promise to reward all seekers, you must be hearing me now. So I hereby declare myself a seeker, a seeker of the truth, whatever and wherever it is. I want to know the truth and live the truth. If you are the truth, please help me. Amen. That is a good prayer to pray. Thanks for joining me. Next week, I will give evidence for why Jesus stands out from the crowd of religious figures. There is no one like him. Check out for that message coming up soon.
0: Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.